Today we're looking at spiritual growth, at teaching, at men and women and at authority in the church. The passage that we've just heard is a controversial one and it's sometimes used to say that women shouldn't be leaders or pastors or teachers in God's church. But is that what the passage is saying? Is God saying that women can't have this role and this is something that only men can do or is there something else that's going on? Before we jump into this text, it might be helpful to consider two ideas that are useful when we're studying passages of scripture, particularly when it's a challenging passage like this. The first idea is this, that in order to understand the meaning of a verse, we need to look at the surrounding verses. To understand the meaning of several verses, we need to look at the whole section or chapter. To understand a chapter, we need to look at the whole of the book. And to understand uh, the book, we need to understand what the Old Testament or the New Testament and the whole of the Bible is saying. Bible passages are like Russian dolls of ideas, each nesting inside each other. And ultimately, to understand the ideas of the Bible, we need to be familiar with the teaching of the whole of the Bible. The second principle is that to understand the meaning of a passage and what it means to us, we need to first understand what it meant to the original hearers. It's unlikely that the Bible will say something to us today that wasn't the original intent of the author who wrote the text or that is inconsistent with the context to which it was written or is different from the way in which the original hearers would have understood it. This passage is originally a letter. It's thought from a man, uh, Paul, to his apprentice, Timothy, and it's written to help him in his role as a church leader. In the verses before uh, the reading that we had, Paul has already cautioned Timothy about the danger of false teachers who attack the church and lead some people astray. He's highlighted the power of good teaching, how helpful that is in enabling people to know God for themselves and to grow in their faith. He's described the grace of God, which is for everyone and his own personal experience of it, that everyone, regardless of who they are, can receive the grace of God. He's warned people that nevertheless, it's still possible for people to shipwreck their own faith. And he's charged Timothy to be a person diligent in prayer because God has a plan for everyone and wants everyone to come to a knowledge of who he is. And so there's a journey mapped out in the introduction. Good teaching is good. Bad teaching is bad. God's grace is good. People can still fall away. That is, a bad outcome can happen to a good person. That we're to pray with passion and wholeheartedly and that God has a plan for every person's life, regardless of who you are, whether you're ordinary or whether you're famous like a king or a leader or a ruler. Paul is particularly strong to Timothy that he needs to be wary of the danger of the false teachers, the negative impact that they can have on those who listen to what they say and are led astray. 
If you read chapter one, you get the feeling that the false teachers targeted the uneducated, the uninformed, perhaps because they're more vulnerable and ready to believe anything. In the passage that we've heard, we get a little insight into this church that Timothy's leading. And it feels like we're uh, stepping into a conversation that's already begun earlier, like walking into a room and people have been talking and you're picking up the thread of what's being said. Perhaps Timothy has written to Paul for advice or news has got back to Paul from other people. Paul begins by highlighting two issues, fighting and fashion. The men in the church are fighting during the worship service and the women are distracting themselves and others by being too focused on fashion and appearance. These are clearly issues for the particular situation because it's not to say that a woman might not fight in church or that a man might not be distracted by wearing designer clothes and expensive fashion. But these are the particular issues of this church that are focused on something the men are particularly doing wrong and something that the women are particularly doing wrong. And as a side note, this is an indicator of the level of maturity of this church. I'm happy to say in our church, we've yet to have a fight take place in worship. Paul's advice to Timothy is really wise. He reframes each problem using similar ideas. He says to the men, stop using your fists to fight. Instead, lift them in prayer to God. Now again, does this mean that because he's addressing these remarks to the men, that the women have permission or liberty to fight? Of course not. He doesn't need to say that because this was the problem specifically for the men. And to the women, he says, don't come to worship wearing expensive clothes and jewellery. Instead, adorn yourself with good deeds. It's possible this was causing division in the church between those who had money and those who didn't, perhaps undermining the very idea of God's grace being for everyone that's mentioned in chapter one. And again, in saying this, is he saying that the men can wear whatever expensive clothes they want? No, of course not. The same rule obviously applies to them. It's just at this time, that wasn't an issue for them. Having addressed these two issues, we hit the difficult verses in verse 11 and 12. Here's what he says. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Wow. Okay. The first thing to say is this. In the ancient world, Everybody learn in quietness and submission. It's how Jesus, when he was young, would have learned from the elders. It's how the disciples learn from Jesus. It's how Paul would have learned from Gamaliel, his instructor and teacher. It's how Timothy would have learned from Paul. An apprentice only learns if they are 
teachable, that is, in submission, and listening, that is, quiet. So Paul is saying something radical here. He's saying women are allowed to learn. They're included. They're given permission to learn. He's saying that in the church, something different is happening from the common Jewish practice of the day, which is that only the men got to learn. In the Old Testament, only the men could go to the synagogue to hear the teaching and only the boys were taught the Old Testament and taught how to learn it. So the women are being included, but they are being reminded that they must be open and teachable. And as he highlighted in the first chapter, the problem, if you get that wrong, is that they will be in danger of spreading teaching that's false, that misleads others. And of course, this is for the men as much for the women. In the second part of the verse, Paul says this, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. So this is the verse that some churches or Christians would go to to say that a woman shouldn't teach the Bible in church. The Greek word usually used by Paul for authority is exousia. That's the word he normally uses in the rest of his writing. But here Paul uses a different word, authentero. And in fact, he only uses it once in his writing. It only appears once in the New Testament. And authentero means to seize or hold by force or without, without right. It means to domineer over, to be a dictator. One Bible translation puts it to lord it over. One dictionary defines it as this, one who acts on the basis of their own authority, self-appointed autocratically. Another says this, authority which is exercised in a despotic manner. This is an artificial authority. It's a fake, a false authority, one that's taken and grasped by the person on their own initiative. It's not something given to others because it's recognised. It's not something conferred by those who lead the church or who are established as teachers themselves. And this links, of course, with the problem in chapter one. This is why there are false teachers going around, spreading their ideas, leading people away from following Jesus. So Paul is saying that these women shouldn't self-appoint themselves. If they do, they're going to get themselves into a mess. They're going to mislead other people. They are in danger of believing the false prophets. They are in danger of becoming like false prophets to others. It's, of course, also wrong for the men to do this, but it's the women in this church that need to hear it on this occasion. And then he refers to Adam and Eve. He reminds them that this has happened before. In the oldest part of the Bible, Adam and Eve were together and Eve was deceived by believing a false teaching from Satan. Now, that wasn't probably because she's a woman. It was because she didn't have the same level of teaching that Adam had. God had spoken to Adam directly and said, you must not eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
And Eve had only begun to learn that probably indirectly from Adam. So she's used here as an illustration of somebody who's still beginning to learn and is thereby susceptible or to being misled or taken astray. In fact, when she replies to the serpent, she quotes what God says, but she gets the quote a bit wrong because she hasn't fully learnt it yet. And so Paul is highlighting to Timothy that those who are susceptible to false teaching because they're still learning shouldn't yet be the teachers. And this leadership lesson is applied here along gender lines. But today or in another context, it may be applied to different sections or groups of people because the context will be different. It's not because these women are women that is the problem. It's because they are still bringing their theological education up to the advantage that the men already had. And because of that, they are susceptible to this false teaching. And the more general lesson here is this. Don't ride on someone else's coattails for your own spiritual growth. Don't wait for someone just to tell you what to believe. Learn for yourself. Take responsibility for your own growth to to grow yourself. This is not primarily an issue of gender. Everyone starts out in Eve's position, beginning to learn the things that God has taught. But we're all urged to grow up, to take responsibility, to listen and to learn. In G2, we welcome the teaching of men and women with equal authority. We ask you to accept the teaching of the person that we've asked to teach on that day. I've heard a lot of sermons, but I always sit and listen to the sermon each Sunday. And when we used to meet uh, in person, I would usually sit on the front row. I'd usually have my notebook to take notes. And usually I was quiet, but I was always listening carefully to what the person is saying. Submitting to them as the person who is teaching and helping me that day to understand God better. Because I want to keep learning about God. I want to keep being refreshed in my faith. I want to have a better understanding of who God is. And I don't want to differentiate between a speaker who is new or a long-standing and highly experienced speaker, and certainly between a speaker who is a woman or a man, someone who is young or old, somebody that's had a certain type of education and somebody who has learnt another way. I want to receive the person that we have asked to teach us and the whole church that day. And you may not know that behind the scenes we have a collaborative process that goes into every talk. Typically four to five people will have had input into any given talk that comes on Sunday. And it'd be rare for me to not know in advance the content of the teaching that we are going to hear at church on Sunday. Hear the heart of this passage to us today that men and women are equally welcomed to learn about God and treated with equal dignity because everyone is invited to come and learn about God. Those that teach should be uh, appointed by those who are recognised in authority in the church 
those established already as teachers. We shouldn't self-appoint ourselves as teachers of others. And that everyone should be a learner, taking responsibility for their own spiritual growth. Amen.